Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the in Doubt Show. Listen, we got a fantastic show for us today. We actually start a brand new series today called World Religions Unraveled, going through different faith backgrounds. And today we're focusing on Mormonism. We also have something at the end of the episode as well. What is it? It's a surprise for you. Is it a skit? Is it a music video? Well, you'll have to wait and see. But we hope you tune in and enjoy today. Oh, yeah. We have a new theme song for this series, too. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the in Show. I'm excited for today. We got some great conversations. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. We started a new series on religions. We're going to be talking about Mormonism, Buddhism. We're talking about Catholicism. And just, you know, we're not trying to divide or bash. We're just literally wanting to be educated on their beliefs, similarities, differences, all that kind of stuff. But uh, before we dive into today's episode, Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. My favorite Chris. As usual. Uh, you don't know what I changed that sign to. No, I don't actually. <laughs> I think you should take your headphones off and take a little sneak peek. We'll do this live. He does not know. But I want you to just let the record show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go um <laughs> i spelled chris right right there's no silent uh it's with the k it's with the k-r-i-s <laughs> k-r-i-s it's amazing uh you're doing well though I, I, now you're doing fa- i mean jeez you're doing fantastic every single time now i'm not gonna say anything every single time the camera's on me it's just like oh. ah, i wish we had like every time the camera goes to you ah, we can probably do that in post we'll fix it in post yeah We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll ask our we'll ask our guest in third chair. We got a fantastic guest in third chair. The man, the myth, the legend, the man with two hundred words, two hundred words, two hundred voices. Ladies and gentlemen, the myth, the legend, Marcus Miller. How are you, buddy? Howdy, howdy. I said, who knows two hundred words? What <laughs> I, I do meant know to say, two hundred. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty fantastically sure, yeah. though. Um, what I meant to say is uh, probably two hundred voices. Um, <laughs> That that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> there, it's creeping. He's creeping. You know, uh, Obama. <laughs> there, there are uh, some voices uh, that that might come out. Uh, might be around two hundred. Uh, might be more. Uh, might be less. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. Sometimes when you're just we're just talking casually, Obama. Yeah. I could just hear just hints of Obama. You know, because it's it's in that register, yes, right? Yes, it's similar to like Robert Downey Jr. It's yeah. just kind of like in the inflection. It's yeah. just how you talk. But the is yes, or or like Nicholas Cage is, is kind of there already. You just kind of you can slip into it uh, pr- pretty uh, easily. Oh yeah, they all just kind of just blend. Eh? One to the do next. the one line of Nicholas Cage. The first line you learn from Nicholas Cage. I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I just die. All right. Um, Not the bees. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, we got a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things Mormonism, the Mormon church, their beliefs. Uh, you know, I shared this story last season, but, you know, I, Michelle, my wife, bumped into some Mormons at the bus stop when she used to take the bus stop to call a university. This was a long time ago. And, um, uh, yeah, they were 
just talking to the bus stop and then she invited them over and so they we met at a coffee shop i did not know that they don't drink coffee and we shared this before <laughs> and so i was trying so hard to be a spit hospitable and just offer them they don't drink coffee they huh? don't drink coffee no caffeine really? except pepsi or coke what is it like because isn't it owned by i wasn't sure i missed <laughs> like was that something that we talked about today? i think so no not today, no, not today. But okay. it was last season when we brought up like because they don't drink coffee yeah i know that but they do drink like a soda drink because i think the owner is mormon or something i don't know i thought I'd, we'll have to fact it's check like a, it's that exempt. Now. chris will fact we'll check fact as check we're it. talking and we'll bring that back um post interview no coffee huh well no, i no, can't that, be mormon then <laughs> okay yeah. that's that's for sure though because yeah, I know caffeine sure coffee. uh it could you know, change you and well, that makes know. sense, doesn't it? Because like, I, I feel like that is one of the few drugs that is socially acceptable for people to be addicted to. Yeah, because it is actually addictive. Oh, for sure. I don't drink. I coffee. say as I, I, I have my 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 third cup with me right uh, now. Okay, <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Uh, I feel like I'm already a little bit uh, jittery, mm. so I feel like I just lose it. But it's, um, go ahead. Just fact checking live. Okay, here. fact checking live. It's, it's a little convoluted okay which is maybe a good segue into the whole yes. thing because i feel there's a lot of convoluted areas yes. yes but it says just top google hit uh so many mormons will say well we should not drink any caffeinated beverages in 2012 the church released an official statement stating explicitly that caffeinated soda is allowed under church doctrine Okay. Still, many Mormons will not consume caffeinated drinks. And I think the caffeinated, so like, that's because they own it. Is that why they created caffeine-free, like, cola? Maybe. I don't know. Because it exists. It exists. No one knows why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you know what? It might have something to do with the temperature. I'm going down a rabbit trail Okay, here, what do you guys. mean the temperature? The, the next hits are about... Uh, they're not allowed. They're taught not to drink hot drinks. No, hence hot the drinks. coffee and oh. hot tea. They won't drink. Hmm. Does it say why? I'm working on it. Okay, so again, you know, as we fact check live, but Chris is right. It's a great segue to today's episode and the interview with Matthew Amadi, who is a pastor at Crossroads Church in Sandy, Utah. I mean, he's in the the mecca, the heart of uh, the Mormon Church, and so. He has some crazy stories uh, that Indoed Insiders will get a little scoop of one of his fun stories, but we're going to talk to him about everything connected to the Mormon church because a lot of people say that it's similar. And when we went out for coffee with these guys, and obviously they only had water, but after me begging them to let me buy them a drink of coffee, and they're like, no, sir, please stop it. We'll just have water. I'm like, okay, get the man a water. Uh, But... uh, Anyways, uh, when we were talking, the first thing they said was, like, oh, you know, we believe in the same Jesus. We believe that he died. We believe that he rose from the dead to pay for our sin. He, they said all these things were the same. And so I remember asking them, I said, okay, well, if we're the same, then why are you trying to convert me? And they were overwhelmed with that question. So obviously there are differences. Because a lot of people say, no, we're Christians. We're also Christians. And so we want to talk with Matthew Amati today and just um, just dive in to, okay, what are the differences are there similarities? What do they think about Jesus, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about the Bible? Uh, what other resources do they use as their authority? And so let's jump into today's interview because you're right. A lot of it is convoluted and 
you know, hard to really get definitive answers. And so let's talk to a man in Sandy, Utah, in the heart of it all, on mission there, and uh, let's just uh, let's learn from him. So cut to the interview. All right, we have Matthew Amati all the way from Sandy, Utah. Matthew, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me on, Andrew. Oh, this is so awesome, man. I'm so excited. So we're going to be talking about something very interesting today, uh, just the Mormon church, Mormonism, its history. But before we even dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family life, ministry life. What are you up to in Sandy, Utah? Yeah, so I, uh, I am out here in Sandy, Utah. Uh, I pastor Crossroads Church. I've been pastoring there now for nine years uh, as of August. Um, I, uh, I'm married 15 years this December to my wonderful wife, Brittany. We have six kids, ages 13 to three, five boys and one girl. Five boys and one uh, so big girl. Tired. Yes, one girl. <laughs> uh, she is special. Uh, she is definitely the princess. That's and I'm tired all the time with these children, <laughs> but I love the season of life. It's awesome. Uh, the enthusiasm of the kids, playing sports, all this stuff, it's great. But my wife and I actually met in Kentucky when I was a student at seminary. Uh, I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then we moved here in 2014. Like I said, I'm pastoring Crossroads Church, and God has done a great work at the church. It's a small church. It was kind of really unhealthy and dying when I showed up, but in nine years, God has brought life. We've seen health. We've seen growth. We've seen people saved. Uh, we even actually sent people out to plant a church three years ago. Amazing. Um, so good work happening at the church. And then also um, within the last couple of years, I worked with a couple other pastors out here and we started the Salt Lake School of Theology. And so we are a teaching site of Gateway Seminary and we offer an accredited master's degree uh, through that school. So I teach hermeneutics, New Testament. It's a lot of fun. A wow, of man. That's amazing. I was going to say six kids and you can do multiple things. That's like, uh, you're a superhero. I just curl up in the fetal position once a week and cry <laughs> and then I'm good to go. That's so funny. Amazing. Now, is your daughter the youngest? No, we have boy, boy, Okay. then daughter, Okay. and then boy, boy, boy. So, so she's right in the middle. Smack in the middle. That's, That's amazing. That's amazing. Love it. Praise God. Um, so I, when I was reading one of your articles, you mentioned that you used to be a police chaplain in Sandy, Utah. Yeah, I actually started at Crossroads and uh, there was an opportunity to serve as a police chaplain for the city. So I went through the process, I agreed to do it, uh, but I didn't last long and I actually didn't do much as a chaplain because uh, the lead chaplain it was formerly a bishop in the Mormon church. And I knew that going in for the record. Uh, I just thought, yeah, well, it's a, it's a state police department. They are going to have chaplains of different religions, but I'm just going in to do my, my thing. I'm going to share the gospel with people. I'm going to encourage people. Um, so I agreed to do it, but I quickly found out at the first meeting that the head chaplain wanted to have a kind of ecumenical prayer time where we all get together. So it was myself, two Mormon chaplains, and then kind of a, a liberal uh, Christian pastor. And he wanted us all to get together and regularly and consistently have these meetings for prayer and encouragement. And so, you know, if I was at a big event 
with a bunch of chaplains and someone was praying and I'm just at the event. Okay, I get that. But this kind of intentional, hey, we're all in this together. We all kind of believe in the same God, pray to the same God, worship the same God mentality. Mm. I had to say something. And so I told him, I was like, hey, you know, we, we don't worship the same God. Um, the Mormon God and the God of the Bible is not the same God. And he was just shocked that he, he had never heard any, that before. Nobody had ever told him that. Um, and so it really kind of created some, some stress. And eventually I just said, look, I'm, I'm just going to back out. Hmm. And I think he was relieved. You know, I'll step away. You can continue to do what you want to do. It's your program. But I can't act like for your, for your benefit, uh, or, or for the sake of the truth, that we are all in this together, worshiping the same God. That's so huge. And and I'm sure a lot of people who are watching or listening right now, uh, maybe they haven't heard this either. Like this could be a first time kind of realizing. I remember uh, my wife, she bumped into a couple of elders at, um, at a bus stop. This was years ago. And, you know, we invited them over. They wanted to have a conversation. So we're all sitting together talking. And the first thing they said is the same thing you mentioned. Like, you know, we believe in the same God. We worship the same God. We believe that Jesus died. He rose, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, they made it seem like we are one and the same. Uh, yep. We're all Christians. And I kind of just looked at one of them. And I said, okay, well, if that's true, if you're saying that's true, then why are you trying to convert me? Yeah. And he question. was like, uh, 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 and I'm like, tell me about Joseph Smith. <laughs> yeah. So um, there, there is a lot of, there are a lot of differences. And I mean, you being yeah. in Sandy, Utah, the percentage of, you know, evangelical Christians compared to the percentage of, you know, those who are in the Mormon church, uh, there's a yeah. big, you're on mission, man. You're on the mission field. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited to ask you even for, uh, you know, maybe some of the tools that you can help us when we're engaging with people in this faith community, um, how we can evangelize if they think we're sure. exactly the same. The Mormon church in the modern era has made an intentional effort to sound and to portray themselves as more in mainstream Christianity. Hmm. They want to be viewed as Christian and... Um, they will use the same language and the same terms. And, and we'll get into this more as we talk about evangelism, but really, you know, they think because they talk about Jesus Christ, because they talk about God, the father, they even talk about grace, all of these things mm -hmm. that they're Christian and, and somebody who doesn't know Mormonism very well, will hear those terms and uh, at the surface level think, Oh, we, we believe the same thing, but actually nothing is the same. Nothing mm. at all. So, wow. Okay. Well, let let's go back and maybe help us unpack uh, the history of the Mormon Church. Maybe the key leaders uh, when this all was birthed. Maybe take us back a few steps. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Mormon Church was founded by Joseph Smith, who who claimed to be a prophet. Joseph Smith lived in the 19th century. Uh, so early 1800s in New York, Joseph Smith claimed to have had a vision where God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared to him in the woods. And they appeared to him in response to his prayer. He was wanting to know basically what is the true church. 
what what is the truth and in response to that prayer he claimed the god the father and jesus christ appeared to him and revealed to him that none of the churches are true and so mormonism has this whole theology of the great apostasy that after the time of the apostles the true gospel was lost and it has now been restored through joseph smith and the mormon church um so Joseph Smith was a self-proclaimed prophet who claimed to have a vision and who uh, translated the Book of Mormon, the, which is this um, ancient history compiled by this, this person, Mormon, this ancient history of the Americas. And so um, he supposedly translates uh, the Book of Mormon and is the, is the leader of this restoration movement of the truth. And he eventually leads his crew from New York through Ohio to Missouri, uh, but has some run-ins with the authorities and, and the law and is killed while in Missouri. And there's different splits at this point. A lot of people don't know this about Mormon history, but there's different uh, sects that splinter off now as people try to figure out who's going to lead the Mormon church. But Brigham Young basically comes into power and he's the one who leads the Mormons from Missouri to Utah wow. to settle in Utah. And so even in growing up in Utah as a kid, we would learn Mormon history and we would sing songs wow. about uh, Brigham Young and the pioneers who, who came who came here. And so Brigham Young is really instrumental because he leads them during this whole period in their history and gets, you know, the temple built in Salt Lake City and the, the whole society is established. And really it just kind of grows from there. In some ways they're inoculated out here in Utah from the outside world and they're able to practice polygamy and, and their religious practices. Um, but that's why Utah is the mecca, mecca of Mormonism, as I say, because of that history. Um, but so, you know, there's a lot of theological issues that are being developed during this time. Plural marriage, you know, or polygamy, um, their doctrine of God, their doctrine of salvation, their doctrine of exaltation. All of these things are getting founded, but developed. But it really comes back to Joseph Smith, who claimed that he was able to do what no man has been able to do, what not, what not even Jesus or the apostles were able to do, and that was to unify the church. Hmm. And so uh, he made some pretty grandiose claims. He uh, gave a lot of prophecies, many of which did not come true. Um, and when you look into his history, um, he has a lot of... Uh, uh, questionable actions yeah. and character flaws. And he was involved in the occult, all this stuff. Um, a Mason, in fact, there's still Masonic symbols. There's Masonic symbols on the on the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City. So it's, it's quite a history, but that is kind of the history in a nutshell and why the Mormon church is centralized in Utah and how it's grown really from there to the modern day. And what would you say the percentage of... Um people in Utah are Mormons compared to evangelical Christians? Yeah, there's, it's hard to know the exact percentages, but most people say probably between three and 5% of people in Utah are evangelical Christians. 
Wow. 60% of the people are Mormons. And then you have, you know, you have atheists, you have Roman Catholic, wow. you have other religions, but Mormonism is still predominant. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects the entire culture, the whole way of life. Everyone assumes you're Mormon. The neighborhoods are built around Mormon churches. I just took a, a walk with my wife last week and we were on this hill looking out over our neighborhood and you could see three Mormon churches in our neighborhood, all within walking distance from each other. So, wow. so Mormonism is everywhere. It is a way of life. It is ingrained into the culture. Some people have described it as like being a Mormon in Utah is like being a Muslim in the Middle East. Mm. It's who you are. It's your family. It's your history. It's your networks. It's your relationships. And so it's ingrained and uh, woven into every fabric of life out here. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, it's so different from, you know, where I am in Canada. So it's just like, that's just so eye opening. And so, so did you ever sing, like you're talking about singing songs growing up in school, um, about uh, Mr. Young there, but what about, did you sing any Joseph Smith songs or was Burnham Young kind of the person who took over? Yeah, I think because, uh, in the public schools, they were wanting to keep the lessons oriented towards just the kind of historical facts Mm. and Brigham Young was the one who really led the pioneers and Utah was founded under his leadership. It was left at that just to retell the story. Mm -hmm. But in the Mormon church, they will definitely sing songs about Joseph Smith. Wow. Uh, He is, he is highly esteemed. And yet, uh, honestly, because of the um, information available on the internet, because of podcasts like this, because People have access to information. People are discovering the truth about Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons many people, especially the younger generation, are leaving the Mormon church. Wow. You know, it's just mind-blowing to me to even just think, because I'm a songwriter, I wonder what a Joseph Smith song sounds like. (laughs) So I might have to Google that later, because that's just mind-blowing to me. (laughs) You might be surprised. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to have to Google it later. Um, okay, so uh, it's true that he got this um, vision and, you know, the the Book of Mormon. Was it like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics or something? Is that is that yeah, fact? He, he claimed to have translated some ancient Egyptian um, like, uh, writings. His, yeah, that's where he got the Book of Mormon. Was it from like Egyptian... Well, yeah, part of it. I think it's related to the Book of Abraham. I can't remember exactly. The Book of Abraham is in the Book of Mormon. Uh, the Mormon Church has four scriptures. So the King James Bible, insofar as it's translated correctly, that's what they would say. We can talk about that at some point. Oh, interesting. The Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, and the Pearl of Great Price. And so Smith claimed to have translated ancient Egyptian. He tra- claims to have translated uh, these golden plates that he discovered, um, and he would do this through a stone in a hat. He would look at, into the hat on the stone and be able to, to receive visions and translations of these things. But those things, especially the ancient Egyptian, has been proven false. And honestly, even the first vision that he claimed to have um, has something like nine different versions from Joseph Smith himself. Hmm. And so it was changed over the years. In fact, I think he first the first time he recorded the vision was supposedly 12 years after 
he had the vision. And so um, there's all kinds of problems with the history. Man, I mean, it, that's just so fascinating. So one of the books they use is the King James Bible? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So it's, it's interesting, and this is a helpful uh, point just to be aware of for evangelism. The Mormons do claim to believe the Bible. So when I talk to them, I appeal to the Bible because they, they say it's one of their, their authoritative books. Now, the problem is, of all their books, the Bible is the most undermined by Mormons because they will say, we believe the Bible insofar as it is translated correctly. Now, even in saying that, they are misguided because that's not what they intend to say. Here's, here's what I mean. What they mean to say is, we believe the Bible insofar as it has been transmitted correctly. Hmm. Okay, so what they're getting at is they have come to believe, and it's been really just taught to them from day one, that the Bible has been corrupted through the process of transmission. Hmm. So from the original manuscripts, through the copies of the copies of the copies that have been made, the Bible in their mind has certainly been corrupted. The text cannot be trusted. And so we will affirm it insofar as it has been, again, they'll say translated correctly, but transmitted. And so, um, so in, in their mind, it's like, yeah, we believe the Bible, but we don't believe in its infallibility or its inerrancy, and therefore we can't ultimately trust the Bible because how do we know if what we have is really what the apostles said? Hmm. And so that is an important issue when talking with Mormons um, to establish the credibility of the biblical text. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a whole other conversation, but the Bible is the most well-attested book in the history of the world. Um, but what I usually do is because you can't really, you usually don't have a lot of time to get into that conversation with them. I usually just appeal to the fact that, look, you are appealing to the Bible and Jesus and the apostles believed in absolute truth and that truth could be known and that what they wrote is true. And so I start there to try to build a, hmm. a kind of a framework of thinking to say, look, you're appealing to the Bible the worldview of the apostles and Jesus is that absolute truth can be known and that the Bible is true. So let's go to the Bible and let's look at what it actually says. Fascinating. And what is the response that you get? Do they, are they open to that or do they want to incorporate the other writings that are more, you know? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the average Mormon today is more relativistic than historically Mormon. You know, Joseph Smith said, you know, when he had that first vision that it was revealed to him that all the creeds and confessions of the Christian church are an abomination. Oh, wow. So years ago, Mormons would say, look, we have our doctrine. We believe this doctrine. Yes, it is different than yours. The average Mormon today is, is more of a kind of relativist, you know, borderline postmodern. Hmm. So that is, eh, you know, it's just, it's all kind of the same. We may have a little differences, but we're all saying the same thing in the end. And that's why I go and say, well, yeah, but you say you believe the Bible, right? Well, yes, I do. Well, Jesus and the apostles believed there was truth and there was error. So do you believe their worldview, their position is correct? And then I just try to go from there 
and look at texts, but really, you know, it's case by case with who you're talking to. Totally. I think it's good to ask questions and to try to get into the specifics of what they believe and what they think, because you won't get the same answer from every moment. Yeah, that makes total sense, especially like in today's culture. And again, like you mentioned, with social media and podcasts and just so much information available. Right. Um, so that's what the Mormon church believes about scriptures. What's their view right. on Jesus? Yeah. So, and just to add one other thing to their view of revelation in scripture, they have a modern day prophet. So that modern day prophet also gets modern day revelation. And so it's important to recognize that as well. If a, if a Mormon is being consistent, they would have to say what they believe they can only believe right now, because at any point the prophet could change anything, right? Because he speaks for God. So, so there's that aspect as well, which I didn't even bring up, but Mormons will talk to you about Jesus. They'll talk to you about the atonement. They'll talk about their savior um, and how, how much they love Jesus. The problem is Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Hmm. The God of Mormonism is not the God of the Bible. And so the whole narrative of Mormon theology is different than the narrative of scripture. In Mormon theology, Jesus is the offspring, the first created son of heavenly father and heavenly mother. Hmm. Okay, so so already we have diverged uh, greatly. Wow. <laughs> so in Mormon theology, Jesus is literally our older brother because we are all the spirit children of heavenly father and heavenly mother of whom Jesus was the firstborn. And so Jesus um, is a created being of a created God himself who then comes to earth to, you know, kind of follow the ordinances and keep the commandments and to make atonement for sins, but he makes atonement not at the cross, but in the garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. So the, the, the sweat of the drops of blood that he sweat in the garden of Gethsemane is where Mormons would say he made atonement for sins. But again, what is that atonement? Is it atonement that satisfies the wrath of a infinite, righteous, holy, eternal almighty God. Well, no, it's, it's more of, um, him. Yes. Kind of paying for our sins, but doing so for good people who are doing the best to save themselves. So in Mormon theology, you work as hard as you can and you climb the ladder as high as you can. And then Jesus will get you the rest of the way. Hmm. Um, so there's a verse in the Book of Mormon, I don't want to get the reference wrong, but it essentially says you are saved by grace after all that you can do. Wow. So if you have done all that you can do, then you will be saved by grace. Um, but even in this kind of short description that I've given you, it just it's beginning to show how when, it, when you encounter a Mormon and they start talking about Jesus, they are not talking about the same Jesus. When, when Peter asked the apostles, look, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Like, 
In Jesus's day, there was people, there were people who were getting it wrong, the answer wrong. Yeah. And he says, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So essential to the true gospel is a right understanding of who Jesus is because there's only one Jesus that can save. And the mm-hmm. Mormon Jesus is not God and he cannot save um, because he is a, a false Jesus. So if they believe that the, you know, atonement happened at the garden, what do they say about the cross? That is a good question. And honestly, I haven't received a clear answer on that. Hmm. Um, so I don't want to misrepresent them. Totally. But the cross, it, it, isn't it interesting that the cross is not central to hmm. their doctrine of salvation? I mean, Paul says, I, I came to preach nothing to you but Christ and him crucified. He said, yeah. God forbid that I would ever boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like the cross is central. It is the central aspect of salvation and the moment where God supremely reveals his glory in a crucified Savior and I mean, isn't it just interesting and no surprise that a, a religion, a false religion that is deviated from the Bible minimizes the cross so that none of their buildings yeah. actually have crosses on them, like Christian churches. Uh, their buildings have steeples with spikes, but no crosses. That's so fascinating. I'd love to do more research online and see what, the the- what their actual stance is on the cross. But you're right. It's not central. That's a yeah. big deal. That's a big red flag right there. So we have right. Jesus was born from God the Mother and God the Father. Uh, right. He was a created being. That's a pretty big red flag. The cross yep. is not central. The atonement happened right. in the garden. And so right. now even that passage you mentioned from the Book of Mormon where it's like, you know, you'll be saved by grace after doing all these good works. So let's walk through what is their belief and understanding on salvation then? Yeah, so... Again, Mormons will talk about grace, they'll talk about their savior, Jesus, but really what it comes down to is doing all that you can do, following the commandments and the ordinances to be able to achieve the highest level of exaltation. So again, this is why we have to be clear on what we mean by the terms we are using. When we talk about salvation as Christians, we are talking about being delivered from God's judgment for our sins. We are talking about being saved from God's wrath into the presence of God to dwell with him in fellowship forever in the fullness of joy, right? We're talking about life out of death, resurrection Mm -hmm. um, from the grave, in a new heavens and new earth to worship and glorify God forever. When Mormons are talking about salvation, they're not talking about that. They are talking about exaltation. In, mm-hmm. in, Mormons, in Mormon theology, everyone is going to go to one of three levels of heaven. The highest level of heaven is the celestial kingdom. And so Mormons want to do all these good works and to do their temple ordinances and to keep these commandments in order that they might attain the highest level of heaven, which is the 
celestial kingdom. Now, what they receive in the celestial kingdom is divinity. So they hmm. believe that they are progressing through their good works um, towards this uh, state of, of godhood, really, where they will, a worthy Mormon man, be married to his wife forever, and they will populate their own world with spirit children who um, inhabit that world, and they will be with their families forever as deified people, because that's what mm. Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother of this world are. So again, it's not about the glory of God and the infinite delight of communion with him and his presence. It's about achieving a status of divine exaltation. Wow. And then, so that's the third, you know, celestial. What happens when a Mormon goes to the second or the third? Yeah. So there's these other levels of heaven and it's unclear to me what exactly, hmm. um, one receives in these levels, though it is not punishment, it's some form of eternal happiness and joy. Um, mm -hmm. And everyone goes there except for Mormon apostates, right? So you don't have to be a Mormon to achieve one of these levels. Uh, everyone will go there. Um, and even after death, you can have a chance to go there. That's why they do baptisms for the dead, because they're giving basically... Uh, people an opportunity right. after death to be able to go to one of these uh, heavenly kingdoms. But again, only the one who apostatizes from Mormonism, the one who leaves the Mormon mm -hmm. church will be cast into outer darkness, which is what they call hell. It just blows me away, the baptizing for the dead. Is that like very common? So yeah, if, if you were to walk out of the door of my front house and look to the right, you would see the South Jordan City Mormon Temple. So the Mormons have their local wards, that's like their church buildings, where they're assigned to go mm -hmm. on Sundays to different wards. And then the temple is where they perform what they call sacred, sacred ordinances, like where they are sealed mm -hmm. to their spouse for time and eternity, where they do these baptisms for the dead. And so Again, a, a good Mormon wants to visit the temple frequently to perform ordinances and to um, do these kinds of things so that they can establish their own, uh, what we would call merit or righteousness in order to achieve mm -hmm. divine exaltation. So there are baptisms happening for the dead quite often. Um, I just gave you the example of the South Jordan Temple. There's temples scattered all throughout the state. And it's another reason why genealogy is huge in Utah is because the Mormons are tracing mm. their genealogy to try to help their deceased relatives. Wow. I'm, I'm guessing they, in the Mormon church, they don't do um, baptisms for the living or yeah. Um, yeah. communion. They, well, they will do, um, what, what do they call it? They don't call it the Lord's Supper. They call it the sacrament, I think. Um, so they do uh, the sacrament, what we would call the Lord's Supper. Obviously, it carries different meaning. But baptism is something you do at eight years old. So every eight-year-old oh, okay. in the Mormon church, that's when they're baptized. I can still remember show and tell 
in the public schools growing up in Utah and most, whatever grade I would have been in, second or third of my peers for show and tell would talk about their baptism at eight years old. Wow. Now they will do baptisms for converts, right? So yeah, people who, who are converted as adults will get baptized into the Mormon church. But again, the whole theology right. of, of the ordinances is different, right? So um, baptism is not a symbolic act of death and resurrection with Christ. It's, it's almost in their theology in and of itself, a purifying ritual where you have a clean slate right. now. Wow. So it's, you know, going through, going through all the details, uh, were very different. Yeah. 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 Andrew, like this is why I tell people just because Mormons say they believe the Bible and use the same terms doesn't mean there are some similarities. Actually, everything is different because the whole narrative is different. The whole doctrine of God is different. And if the doctrine of God is different, if the storyline of redemption is different, then nothing means the same thing. Yeah. It's just so overwhelming to me because if they use the King James Bible as one of their, you know, authoritative, you know, books, I just don't understand. It just seems very clear. I mean, maybe the King James is not as clear as, you know, an ESV, but they have the word of God and they're still like, would they use scripture to, for example, say, this is why you can have multiple spouses, multiple wives. Would they use the Bible for that? Yeah, they'll, they will appeal to verses, um, for Mm. polygamy, even though they don't most, the mainstream Mormon church doesn't practice polygamy anymore, but they will, Mm -hmm. they will often appeal to various biblical texts to support their ideas. The problem is one, they like to, they're, they're taking their categories, their narrative that they have been taught from Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, the prophets, and now the history of the Mormon church, and then importing it into the Bible. So that when you right. read about, you know, for example, bo- uh, body parts being used to describe God, you know, you think of the Exodus or how God bears his arm in strength or how he mm. walks, you know, things like that. Well, they're filtering that through the lens of their narrative so that God is Mm -hmm. actually a physical man with a physical body, you see? And Mm -hmm. so that's one example. Or when it comes to salvation, when Paul talks about us being glorified, well, they're Mm -hmm. they're filtering filtering that through the lens of divine exaltation. You, You see, so whatever they read in the Bible they're importing and imposing on the text of scripture, the narrative that they are assuming, and they're just picking Mm -hmm. up these statements out of context and saying, you see, well, it's, it's right here in the Bible. There's, there's multiple gods in the Bible. It talks about, you know, the gods. So clearly there's multiple gods, but again, it's just a misreading and a misunderstanding yeah. of scripture that removes the context of not only individual passes, but of the whole canon and throws it out the window and imposes a different narrative on it. Wow. So so even their interpretation, for example, of the nature of God, the Father. Right. Yep. What scripture references would they use 
to support their interpretation? Well, really any, see, this is, yeah, this goes back to the previous point. Any where the Bible talks about God as father. Mm-hmm. So you could think of, you know, uh, the Great Commission, baptize them in the name of the Father, mm-hmm. the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or you think where Paul talks about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his epistles, or Jesus talking about my father or at his baptism, this is my beloved son. Their reasoning from human relationships upwards to the nature of God. Well, mm-hmm. If the Bible talks about God as Father and Jesus as the Son, that means God the Father must have uh, uh, had Christ the Son the same way we in our physical relationships have children. Right. So then it becomes a created uh, relationship between a son and his father. So, Mm -hmm. so, So their whole idea of God is that he is an exalted man uh, who achieved this level of, of, again, divine exaltation. It's the same path they believe they're on, but Heavenly Father yeah, the is literally yeah. their father in the sense that he and Heavenly Mother, as I said, yeah. created these offspring. Um, but he's an exalted man. He, Elohim or Elohim, uh, in their narrative, grew up on a distant planet, either on or near what is called Kolob, and achieved this level of exaltation and is now heavenly father over our world. And so anywhere mm-hmm. you have familial language in the Bible, they are assuming a um, real human earthly kind of context that we would think about fathers and sons and then just imposing it on God. Okay, so I might be a little bit you know, ignorant or naive about this and that's why we're I'm talking we're talking about this because I'm getting right. so much information even from myself but with Elohim and the planet like is that actually like documented written down or is this all just hearsay that they kind of you know word of mouth yeah so if you search on the LDS website I believe it will talk it will talk about Elohim Elohim it'll talk about Heavenly Father's kind of the what is it mm. the law of eternal progression um, you can find statements from uh, Mormon prophets, past prophets right. who talked about God our Father coming from his father and his father coming from his father and his father coming from his father. So it's just kind of this infinite regress. Uh, those will all be on their website. Um, okay. Kolob is disputed, though I think they will talk about it on their website. In fact, if you drive south, from where I'm at to St. George, Utah, you will pl- pass a city called Kolob. Um, hmm. So you can find this information. But uh, again, it's this whole idea of fathers have fathers, fathers have sons. And so Heavenly Father had a father and his father had a father and his father had a father. And this is who God is. He's really, I mean, at the end of the day, God is a man like us. It's just mind-blowing. I'm learning so much. What do they say about who the Holy Spirit is? Because obviously if they read through King James Bible and they use the Bible as their one of their authoritative books, it talks about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about Jesus. Right. We've talked about the Father and the Father and the Father and the Father. Uh, what do they say about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so this is somewhat of a, of a mystery to me. In fact, one of our mm-hmm. elders, actually two of our elders at Crossroads Church are both former Mormons. Um, Mm. and I asked him, uh, 
probably six, seven months ago now, you know, I've always been confused about what Mormons say about the Holy Spirit. And, and honestly, his answer was, he's not really talked about much in the Mormon church. Hmm. Now, what we, what we do know that they teach is not Trinitarianism, right? As Christians, we believe there is only one God, right? Mm -hmm. Subsisting in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. In Mormonism, um, they talk about three personages as three separate mm. beings, so the Father right. is a separate being, the Son is a separate being, and the Holy Spirit is a separate being. But as far as how they unpack the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm sure there's more teaching than I have, have read on the matter, but it's, it's just, it seems kind of vague. Hmm. Interesting. And, and I wonder, like, you know, when you're going, when you're looking at the whole picture, how the cross isn't central, the Holy Spirit isn't being spoken about. You know, you look at these key things in the in the Christ, evangelical Christian faith, and it's either you know devalued or you know just absent in general. Uh, it's just that's just very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're in a place where there there are a lot of Mormons. I see them every now and then, uh, sure. walking around, door knocking, you know, you know, doing their thing. But, you know, for us here, uh, it's important for us to understand the history. It's important for us to go back. It's important for us to learn about the differences, what they believe. And that gives us a better perspective so we know how to love, how to encourage, how to evangelize. So what would be some tools that you would say as we wrap up that would just help us um, love them well, serve them well, and point them to the real Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I should say here, uh, because I'm out here in Utah, I grew up in Utah, uh, Mormon people have been my friends my whole life, right? I have totally Mormon friends right now, and um, growing up out here, uh, I've had some great close relationships with Mormon people. Um, the way we talk to them is, you know, just honestly to ask them questions to start out. Hmm. See what they're at, where they're thinking, and where you might be able to then apply truth to whatever uh, questions they raise or whatever issues they might be struggling with. Um, it is good to know. It is good to know what the Bible teaches about God, about Christ, about Scripture or Revelation. Mm -hmm. and about salvation. Like those four things mm -hmm. um, are good issues to address. They're good points of entry. They're good conversation pieces to get Mormons thinking. But I, you know, I would just encourage people to ask questions, to take it on a case-by-case mm -hmm. -case basis. You know, um, I got mm -hmm. this from someone else, but I do it often. I'll, sometimes I'll just ask people, hey, if, as an evangelical Christian, uh, I usually say evangelical Christian just to make sure they're we're not talking in their minds. They think they're Christian ever shared with you yeah. uh, the gospel of, of what the Bible says. And, you know, maybe just starting with that. Um, yeah, I think I think there a lot of Mormons are struggling with what their church teaches, what they have mm -hmm. heard or the burden of perfectionism and whether mm -hmm. or not they're willing to admit it. Uh, just being able to plant a seed 
or as one of our elders says, who was former Mormon, put a little rock in their shoe that will discomfort them mm. as they walk and go about their mm. life that may provoke more questions and may intrigue them to look at what the Bible has to say uh, or to step into a Christian church. So many Mormons have been converted through multiple mm -hmm. conversations that put those rocks in their shoe, and then they started reading the Bible, and God opened their eyes. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So, yeah, so hopefully that's encouraging to anyone who, I think sometimes we can feel like, oh man, I have to know everything about Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or Islam if I'm going to share the gospel with someone. And No, you just want to have a conversation. You want to ask questions and then mm -hmm. say, well, you know, here's what the Bible says. And, uh, and that will have a, that's an so impact. good, bro. That's so yeah. good. So good. So really wow. understanding our beliefs when right. it comes to salvation, God, the father, Christ, the scriptures, the inerrancy of scripture, just, uh, you know, that'll help us with our conversations. That also just helps us with our lives. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I, uh, um, you know, the gospel really is good news. You know, mm -hmm. the gospel really is good news. And the grace of the gospel is good news. And Mormons don't understand grace. They are burdened under mm -hmm. the law. And so to preach the gospel mm -hmm. of grace, the good news, um, it will have an impact. You know, there's other avenues people can study out and be aware of. For example, a theology of temples or a theology of priesthood. You know, I... I mm. I am, I am in a place where I have regular evangelistic conversations about the Melchizedekian priesthood. Like who else anywhere <laughs> has conversations, evangelistic conversations about Melchizedek? <laughs> so, you know, Christians can study out those issues as well. I mean, you know, yeah, we don't have to chase that rabbit trail, but, um, but yeah, know the Bible and then, and, and believe the gospel is good news and that God is really you know, he's do, he. I really do believe he's doing something in uh, in this time we're living in, where um, mm -hmm. the Mormon Church is not holding on to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Sadly, many of them are becoming atheists, right? Because they've wow. been jaded by a false religion and an authoritarian religion, and so they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but there's also people coming out, and we've seen several, even at our own church, who have come to believe Amazing. the true gospel. And it's a, uh, a wonderful testimony. Praise God, man. Well, we really appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And uh, I really appreciate your ministry. You're, uh, you're doing you. great things. We pray for you, your family, your church community. Uh, would you just continue to be on mission? We're just grateful for all you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate you. Okay, that was a mind-blowing conversation. Uh, so many things. And, and I've heard so many times that people say, oh, yeah, it's like we're Christians. Like we're the same. You and I are the same. There's doubt. <laughs> everything is different. Yeah. And even yeah. the way he said it where it's like, okay, if even like the main foundational truth about God the Father, now everything is like, like and then the scriptures and Jesus, every, it's a whole different narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That That's... Yeah, I didn't realize how different. I thought we were going, okay, these are some of the similarities and then these are some of the differences, but it seems like literally everything is is yeah. different. The, I think the best way that he put it, and that's the way that we've talked to like our kids about it mm -hmm. too, is 
it's a different Jesus. It's a different yeah. Jesus. It's yeah. a different God. Yeah, totally. It sounds on the surface like it's the same, yeah. but if you scratch away under yeah. the surface, it's not the same thing. And even like the resurrection and the cross yeah. not being yeah. central, but it's yeah. like at the garden when he dripped that, blood. It, it, yeah. It's it, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. Just like the fact that they have the King James. Yeah. As one of Bible, their authoritative their texts. Authority, but then the fact that it's. He said it's not yeah, inerrant. It's like. Yeah, a, yeah. It's not as authoritative yeah. as you would. No. Yeah. They say it's authoritative, but then when you really press them on it, it's like, well, actually it's, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. everything that yeah, we think it is. Like, like, like we hold it as like the in, infallible mm-hmm. word of God and they see it as just, well, it's a, a holy book, but it's, it's been really. Corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like that was a shocker for me too, that the King James Bible, and I guess they were saying about the transmissions, like as it was translated to different, you know, but there's also like, you know, fundamental Baptists who would also say, no, no, King James only. Yeah. Because as it gets translated, you know, it's not as accurate. Well, think of, think of nominal Christians. How many, how many Christians that are kind of like, yeah, well, I don't know if I can really believe this or believe that because it's been translated so many times is typically yeah. the excuse that, yeah, no, we trust the Bible and it is the word of God, but also we can't because yeah. we don't like it. Totally. Yeah. It's, 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 that was a very eye opening conversation. And I wonder like, and I, this might sound like a very silly question, but he did mention LDS in the interview. Are mm. Mormons and Latter-day Saints the same? They are. Yeah. So it's, it's really, so it's yeah. one it's one religion. So yeah. Latter-day Saints are Mormons? Yes, that's correct. Oh. Actually apparently I've gone down too many rabbit trails with this over my <laughs> last <laughs> decades. But Mormons are Latter-day Saints and they don't want to be called Mormons anymore. So uh Wait, Latter-day Saints don't want to be called Mormons anymore? Are That's you? correct. Okay. Yeah. The, so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints yes. is the big, long, official title. Yes. Huh. And for years that they, they were called Mormons, and they embraced it for a long time, um, there's been a shift in the last, I don't know, maybe decade or so, where they had there's been a big push to assert themselves as being a Christian denomination. Oh, okay. The president, I think, whoever the high highest up yeah. in the Mormon church. Again, he can, it's like what Matthew said in the interview. Yeah. Whatever the president says. Or like the head that, bishop or yeah, whatever he is. Right. Yeah, yeah, he can change. So it's like, yeah, sure, you believe this for now until you change yeah, the theology. God changes. Yeah. And so, and that's what this president said. He said, God told me that we shouldn't be called Mormons anymore. We don't want to be interesting. So he has like so, direct access to change yeah, their entire God, theology. God changed his yeah. mind yeah. on that one. Yeah. Apparently. Wow. It's just interesting to me that it seems like a lot of the theologies and the teaching is very blurry. It's yeah. not clear. And it's easy to, you know, get on rabbit trails. Like, okay, even for me thinking, okay, like Latter-day Saints. Okay. What about this? And then my mind starts thinking, okay, what about Seventh-day Adventists? And okay. It's just easy to kind of, it's just all messy and foggy, not a lot of clarity. Even like when I asked them, okay, what do they think about the Holy Spirit? And he's like, well, there's just not a lot of clarity yeah. or talking. Like, it's Yeah. Just, they, yeah. It's almost like they 
avoid yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me too, I, I'll bring it up. Um, looking into the cross thing, because I had never really thought about it before. And he didn't seem to really know a lot as to why. Again, convoluted. Yeah. Which is probably not intentional, but well, maybe it's intentional. I, I, think I don't there's, know. Yeah. I think that there is purposeful convolution there right it's like a blend and i want to hear what you're going to say but it's like a blend between like purposeful convolution but also if like the head bishop or the president can change theologies over and over again then naturally no one's going to know what actually is the truth anymore for them what their truth is yeah i i think also the the impression i got was it's very much like the lifestyle and the culture more than like the mm. specifics of the theology mm. for a lot of people where it's just, well, we, we grow up, we sing the songs. Mm. Like think, think of how many Christians, you know, that really don't know their Bibles and yeah. don't really know yeah. what they believe. It's just, that's what their families believed. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the impression you get um, with, with Mormonism being just kind of, it's more of a cultural thing Yeah, that that's just kind of how everybody lives their, their daily lives. And it was, it was fascinating just hearing him say that the communities and things were all centered around the, the churches mm-hmm. where it's still very much part of their, yeah their totally. culture totally. and the religion is very prominent, but yeah, if they're changing theologies here and there and kind of just going with the tide of the current, culture it'd be so easy to be convoluted and confusing and not clear with what truth is and so yeah there's church there's like their little churches and like he can like stand outside his house and see like four or five churches like from his house yeah so about the crosses because he mentioned there's no crosses on the churches yeah since the cross is not central um what did you find from that well and it's not i i realized that kind of our first knee-jerk reaction to it is oh they're not placing the cross or Jesus's death on the cross as a central mm-hmm. tenet, which arguably they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting. I think we brought it up before as well, but about the Garden of Gethsemane yeah. being yeah. more pivotal. I still don't fully understand yeah. how that plays into it. Um, but as far as the the symbolism of the cross, um, and to be fair, I actually found this article on a Mormon news okay. site, uh, which is probably good to be aware of. I see it a lot. It's called the Deseret News. Okay. And oftentimes if you see something from that, it just looks like a regular news site. Mm-hmm. But it's good to have in the back of your mind that right. it is uh, a Mormon news site. Um, but apparently, historically, they did adopt the cross, and hmm. a lot of them would wear it. Um but then there was some uh, conflicts with Catholics hmm. and there was a period and apparently there's a period even in Protestantism um, where there's sort of a backlash against hmm. the cross as a symbol. Hmm. Uh, but just because of its connection to Catholicism. Right. And so, yeah, this researcher did some digging and found that it was mostly an anti-Catholic sentence that it sort of started to get weaned out of the Latter-day Saints and then sort of was decreed by one of the presidents like 50 or 60 years ago that just don't do it, basically. So many great uh, great points that Matthew made today and just very eye-opening. And even Mm -hmm. just a good 
resource for us to know how to evangelize, not only to Mormons, but just to people in general. Like, Absolutely. know your Bible, know yeah. what the scriptures say about itself. The Bible talks about itself. Um, know what it says about Jesus, know what it says about God, about the Holy Spirit, about salvation. Uh, I can't imagine the, and I told this to the two Mormons we went to this coffee shop with, like at the end of our conversations, like, so what do you guys think? And they, they asked Michelle and I, what do you guys think? I said, honestly, I would be so stressed and overwhelmed to be perfect. I am yeah. not perfect. I fall short every day. And so the fact that you're trying to be so perfect to get accepted and to have salvation, like you talked about salvation is by grace once you've done yeah. all this hard work. Yeah. I just told him, man, I can't, I just feel bad. I feel bad for you guys that you're so stressed because you're doing all these good works and you still don't know if you made the cut. You still don't know if you're good enough. And I just said, I can't do it because I fall short every day and I know I'll never be good enough. I have to rely on the grace of Jesus only. And so, uh, that, and then we prayed together. It was a great conversation. We had a great conversation. It was awesome. They were sweet, sweet guys. Um, but uh, just that perfectionism. And even he mentioned like a lot of young people are just kind of leaving the Mormon church. And at first I got excited about it until he said, well, most of them are becoming atheists. It's like, dang it, because they're just so jaded. And I'm like, oh man, like I, I pray that they see the light, they see the hope. Maybe you're watching, maybe you are a Mormon and uh, maybe you've learned a lot about it that you didn't even know about. Because, you know, same with Christians. Christians don't know a lot about what they believe. It's just a cultural thing. Uh, we pray for you. We just hope that uh, you can come to the cross and accept the grace that has been given to you. And there's just nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. And Amen. I just, I told, I just, I don't know how, I, it would be so stressful to just try to do good works. And the thing that's fascinating for me is that I know they have to do certain things to, you know, receive this grace, but they are significantly better than us at evangelism and like literally loving their neighbors and reaching out and going door to door. And like, they don't have the truth and they're doing significantly better than people who have the truth and we just kind of shut our mouths and we don't share as an introvert going door to door frightens me yes i'm an extrovert and i hate <laughs> going door to door door to door sucks but it's like some of these people are probably introverts yeah. it's like well I, we got to do it yeah and obviously the wrong motive maybe the wrong ideas the wrong you know foundation for it but i'm like man we have the truth we have the truth that could set people free. And I find a lot of Christians, we have the truth and we just we just keep it to ourselves. And so that's one thing with them that, you know, I commend them that they go out every day and they, you know, try to deliver this message. Unfortunately, as we learn today, the message is not the same and they don't have the truth. But it just inspires me to think, man, we have the truth. We need to be bold and get out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, great episode. I know there's still probably a little bit of confusion and convolution, but, you know, I appreciate your fact checking. Uh, yeah, and we have, we have other resources. This isn't the first episode we've done. Yes. A really good one is with Brian Hurlbutt. Okay. Back with Daniel Merkin. Okay. Episode 297. 297. Um, Go and to he goes into the history a lot yeah. more and even different theological points 
yeah. significant theological points that we didn't even really touch yeah. on. So yeah. And I wonder if so in that much. episode, if some theological things have changed for them since, you know what I mean? I don't know. Possibly. I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Yeah. But so 297? 297. 297. Episode 297. Yep. So you can scroll, get through the history on indoubt.ca or Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to or watch this. We wouldn't have a video of it, but you would have it only on Audio World. That's so true. it would have to be on, on podcast. So you can check that out, 297. Um, fantastic conversation, though. I was really, um, I just learned a lot. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We hope you enjoy this series as we unpack different things. And uh, also, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. So it's bye from me, and it's bye from Nicholas Cage. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to steal the Book of Mormon. <laughs> and my favorite, Chris. See you guys. Have a great week. Shoot about to take go. Rat tat tat dookie go. Rudy doo bat doom day take go. Shoot at by go. Little Joseph Smith was walking through the forest. Saw some golden tablets and he wondered what it say. It was written in ancient hieroglyphics, but some angels helped him to interpret it that day. He wrote it down, shared it around to all of his friends. They thought he was a really prophetic guy. But only 15 people were able to see the tablets, then they returned to the sky. Brigham Young took the words to another level, not to be mistaken for a level out in space. Long pilgrimage all the way to Utah That's where he settled and he preached in that place He taught Joseph's words to the people in that